eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back in. It's the Lions 24-7 podcast, and it is whiteout week here in Happy Valley. We hope you followed along with our coverage on two previous episodes this week. We've had a lot of fun getting ready for this matchup. It's a long-anticipated game here in State College and really across the country, one of the marquee events on the college football calendar. One of the things we missed out on in 2020, but it's back now. Number 22, Auburn in town Saturday, 7.30 kickoff. We will be in the building, Sean, and Brandon Bell will be back on campus, and he'll be on this podcast. This is a guy who knows his way around a whiteout, 18 tackles in a sack in 2016 during that upset victory over number two, Ohio Ohio State, a huge part of the run to the Big Ten championship that year, and we're happy to have him on in just a matter of moments. One of the most underappreciated uh, players of the decade for Penn State. He was tremendous when he was out there. If you remember what that linebacker depth chart and injury report by extension looked like when Brandon Bell was here, to get him all, to get everything they got out of him, incredible. He's always been great talking to us. I know he was uh, very close with uh, Andrew Callahan, who was your predecessor here. So uh, always great to have B Bell back in the house. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's one of those whiteout legends. We don't, uh, you know, it's kind of a short, short book because it just started uh, not too long ago. But uh, playing like that on the biggest stage will always carve out a piece in, in Penn State fans' hearts. So we're, we're happy to have B Bell back. Yeah, you'll hear from him in just a bit. We'll get his perspective on what it's like to play in this kind of a showcase game uh, and his thoughts on what this Penn State defense has done through a couple of of weeks so far here in the 2021 season. Um, I I have a little history with Brandon, too. I didn't cover him here at Penn State, actually. I showed up here on campus the year after he was gone, but got to cover him at Oakrest High School back in southern New Jersey. And uh, I'll remember him as a Falcon initially when he committed to Penn State. I was covering him. Um, so a little bit of history interviewing him on a radio show back there in South Jersey. And um, by the way, speaking of studios, I think this is my last episode coming to you. If you've been watching on YouTube on our Lions 24-7 channel, and many of you have subscribed there, we appreciate it. I've been here set up in the nursery, but uh, my in-house producer here, Sean, says enough is enough. Time to evict me down to the basement. Uh, a new tenant is coming in any day now. So uh, this is it for, for me in front of a crib. Any day now. Wow. I just thought you were in there pulling the the long-term griff. So anybody that wants to get personalized uh, presents can see young Olive's name and, and can get that done. No but, more presents. Uh, we, no we're more. good until like the fifth birthday party. We're you good. Don't even, <laughs> I, I got stuff here that you can take that's from my kids when they were that age. So yeah, you're more than welcome to any of that 
stuff. <laughs> when, when, when you have that much stuff, that's when, it, that's when it becomes the other stuff. So yes, yeah, yes, yes. Well, let's dive into some of the conversation from this week, Sean, there were a few more takeaways when we come to you guys midweek, we're kind of in between our media availabilities. We get into practice for a bit on Wednesday evening. Um, and just coming off of that and some conversations afterwards, feels like suddenly Keaton Ellis training in the right direction, Sean, at the safety position. Keaton was dressed in his number two last night, which is uh, notable because Auburn does not have a number two. He's been in a scout team jersey. And for those of you that follow closely, know that that, that if players are on the scout team, probably not going to play that week, but they're emulating uh, uh, opponent players. And uh, it's good to see Keaton there. He was moving along, probably put him in that two deep or close to that two, especially with Tyler Rudolph missing the first half of the game for targeting. Um, you know, I, I think that can only help that safety group, a safety group that's played pretty well. Um, despite not having him, we've seen more of Jonathan Sutherland. He's kind of held his own in there. I know the expectations for him weren't the highest coming into it, but uh, yeah, they got a chance to, to play a lot of guys last week. Could have used you know some time with Keaton last week to get him more adjusted to the speed of the game and everything, but he seems to be taking a step in the right direction. He's been those part of that that uh, that trio that we've been tracking throughout the preseason in Keaton Ellis, John Lovett, and Akeem Beeman. So he's going in the right direction. The other two, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, not so much uh, in terms of momentum for the other two right now. Momentum is certainly on the side of Jesse Lucchetta, and it feels like he's primed for a big week. It, it, barring an, another ejection at linebacker, and I guess you can't take anything for granted with the targeting penalties these days, we should get a longer look at Jesse Lucchetta at defensive end from the start of this contest all the way through four quarters of a matchup in the SEC trenches now. I'm really excited to see what he does, and, and opposite of him, Arnold Levicati, these two guys, if they show out in this setting, look out. Well, they needed something there, and and Luketa has exceeded expectations. I know it's only been two games, but you got to love what you've seen from him so far. He had the tackle tackle for loss or one and a half tackles for loss against Wisconsin. That's a you know that's a transition game for him. It should have taken him longer to settle into the defensive end, but he came out and played well there. Had the pick six from that position. It just gives you a little bit more versatility and. Not even and even beyond that, just depth and talent right there. Cause you've got Evacate, you've got Tarburton, and you've got Lucetta, and you got a little bit of a break. You get down to Smith Bilbert, uh, I mean Van Over and 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 Fisher, Zariah Fisher. Um, so that they, they needed him to step up. And I think he's exceeded expectations, really, really just kind of tickled with how he's handled that change. Someone else who stepped up and in a role where they needed this is PJ Mustafer. Added about 30 pounds. We were kind of, you know, in the 20 pound range, I felt like. But yesterday says last year playing 290 to 295, now at 320 to 325, feeling great. James Franklin said he killed it in the conditioning test. Probably could have passed with the linebackers in those conditioning tests. With when you think about putting on 30 pounds in eight or nine months, like PJ Mustafer did, that says a whole lot about where his athleticism is. We know a lot about you know his history as a wrestler. Franklin brought that up, but this guy in game one, seventy plus snaps, and you know when he's nearing seventy, Mark Brennan pointed this out with one of the photos he took, and I mentioned it in the story he wrote today. He's dropping back in coverage and leaping, extending for the football. The ball eventually finds its way to Jaquan Brisker for that huge interception. But that's what your three hundred and twenty-five pound defensive tackle is doing that late in the game with that many snaps on him. Just really impressive start for, for P.J. Mustaver, and that's the guy they're going to be counting on big in this matchup too because Auburn wants to go right down the middle on you, north-south with this running back group, starting with Tank Bigsby. 
big challenge ahead of him, especially with Bigsby, who's a phenomenal running back for Auburn. I will say this with with Mustafer, Penn State seemingly struggled for years recruiting defensive tackles, and that's a good reason why. That's a this is the reason why. PJ Mustafer is 320 pounds moving like he is. There's not a lot of guys out there like that. And you've got all these elite schools sort of uh jockeying for these types of athletes. That's what you can get out of it. Now he continue he has to continue um, you know, his ascent in terms of his play. But so far, you got to like what he's done, um, teaming up with Derek Tangelo, doing some nice things, keeping the linebackers clean. I think Ellis Brooks in week one, a lot of that could be attributed to what he had in front of him. Um, so they, they've got a big test this weekend. I'm, I'm excited to see how they how they handle it. Um, and, and and by the way, with PJ Mustafer, a, a team captain now, and a guy that is just going to be loaded up with snaps again here against Auburn. As, as much as he needs, it seems like he will take on. Now the USC questions they keep popping up. The non-answers quote unquote they keep popping up too from james franklin uh, more of the same kind of the same dance between media and james franklin on wednesday after practice and at the end of this no solution in terms of a, a defiant no an emphatic no but more of them them handling it internally everyone in the facility knows what the deal is and pj mustafer sean clifford they all say the focus is on auburn they feel like franklin is being transparent with them and that's all that matters but again, uh, it, it's hard to, to to not feel like this week was a bit torpedoed where you know, it should be all white out all the time, all Auburn versus Penn State, Big Ten versus SEC. And USC has just been kind of the shadow that's been cast over an otherwise uh, eventful week in its own right. They did not need this this week. I'll tell you that. I mean, it's a, it's his distraction to handle, but it's going to it's gonna have a ripple effect for everybody. Um, so you would like to see them try and put this behind them as, as best they can, but it's, it's not going away. I mean, this is, like I said, this is a job that fits. Um, so it's not going to go away anytime soon, even if, as he said on, on Wednesday night, even if he says he's not in the running for it or not interested in it, it's not going to go away. Um, you just, that, that's just the, the nature of the beast these days. Um, to me, it's about, uh, you know, doing the job that's in front of you, making sure that Penn State is is the attractive, still the attractive place for, that he wants to be because he's got a lot of things going for him. He's got a top 10 team. He's got a number one recruiting class. That's a lot on the plate for James Franklin right now. And as we said, this probably could have been better coming on or going into Villanova week, but it's just another thing on the plate. And that, that that's concerning for, for this weekend. We finished recording that podcast last Saturday, did a little bit of writing put my feet up, sat on the couch, watched USC getting pummeled by Stanford. Didn't think that was going to be such a shift for me in terms of what my next week was going to look like and the way we were going to talk about this week. But it is what it is. This is college football in the modern era, and it's always happening. And this was brought up uh, yesterday during the media session. We can ask these questions. Everyone on radio shows can ask these questions. Everyone with a podcast microphone is asking these questions about USC and James Franklin and will it happen or won't it happen? But there's a lot of questions coming from recruits' parents, and those are the ones that are probably going to matter most in the coming days. That is, to me, something that that you know can't be brushed under the carpet here. You've got the commits, their families, the targets, their families, official visitors happening. There's a lot of conversation. They're aware of it. They're hearing it. The teams that are recruiting them, probably making them aware of this as well and making sure that they know what's going on and casting some doubt. And so Franklin, while managing a game plan and trying to get ready to take on a top 25 SEC team, is going to have to clear the air a bit with these conversations. Yeah, the, those conversations are the important ones, not the ones with our, our microphones in front of him. So he's got to talk to players. He, he mentioned he talked to the leadership council um, about what they're doing. He's talked to his staff and things like that. Like I said, it's not going away. I mean, and, and even when somebody else is going to be 
Um, it, 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 even if somebody else is going to be connected to the job, we saw Luke fickle, you know, it was a tweet the other day that it was his job to turn down even those guys, you know, it, it, it's going to James Franklin's going to be in this one, in this one to the end, even if he's actually not in this one. So it'll be, be very interesting to see how this, uh, this whole thing turns out. I think that there's a lot of cause for, or not a cause for distraction, a lot of potential for distraction here. Um, you know, he's, he's had it before. It usually comes at the end of the season, but he's had it before. So, um, I, I, I don't know how that's, that's going to go. Um, I, I don't feel strongly one way or the other because it's week three. We're not used to this, uh, typically at this time of year. So it'll be, be interesting to see how he handles it. And if it bleeds over to the field, because right now that's, that's the thing that matters for sa- is Saturday night. Usually we've already gotten past Thanksgiving by the time we're having any of these kind of conversations. You're right. It's weird. And particularly when Penn state's popping up inside the top 10, riding a six game win streak, there's a lot going on here that you like about the program and a lot of resilience that you like about James Franklin, quite frankly, coming off of 2020 and what that looked like for him and this team. Um, before we get to Brandon Bell, just a quick kind of a summary of what we heard today from J1 Sider. There's something up on lines 24 seven, but this running back group, there's still a lot of that unresolved. I don't think we've seen it. Uh, hit peak capacity by any means through two weeks. It was a rough start to the season at Wisconsin. Um, be able to write the ship there a bit with Noah Kane in the fourth quarter. Kevon Lee came on a bit. We've seen a little bit of Devin Ford and a very small amount late of Kazai Holmes last week. And no, uh, none of John Lovett. And I'll start there. Jay Sider was asked about John Lovett's status, and he said, hey, that's James Franklin's question to answer. Uh, so I'm not going to hit hit that one. And James Franklin wasn't interested in answering that question last week. So leave it where it is with John Lovett. We're not sure. Uh, that, that, that's, that's the only answer we can give you right now. He was in Bo Nix's number 10 last night at practice. So that gives you some uh, idea of what to expect from him this weekend, which should be probably nothing. Um, but that's, uh, that's interesting because you ask him point blank about them and, and, and cider who is usually pretty talkative in these things defers to Franklin. That's, that's not a good sign to me, man. He's with the team uh, that he's, he was on the field for pregame. Uh, he was not in pads uh, and he was not in Madison. Um, we'll see what happens this week, but it certainly doesn't seem to be trending that way. This is a guy with senior eligibility and a three-time leading rusher uh, previously at Baylor. So it was ho- high hopes for him coming to Happy Valley. Um, Noah Kane, uh, kind of more of the same from what we heard of Noah postgame that uh, he was able to get through those early jitters and just getting through that first start. J1 Slater references again. The young man had two starts in his career, and both times he went down on the first possession with an injury. So he said just getting through the first drive at Wisconsin was a momentum builder and, and kind of was able to clear up some of those cobwebs. And then moving on to Kevon Lee, he started. He went right into Noah Kane there too. He said playing with Noah Kane daily on the practice field, going about his day with Noah Kane is the best thing that can happen for Kevon Lee, who had some learning moments at Wisconsin – Realized if he doesn't stay on track, the offense can't stay on track, and that hurts them and sets up third and longs, and that's not good when it's a 0-0 game. He came on a bit last week, flashed a little bit of that speed, but they want to see him run behind his pads and remind himself that he is a power back. That's the type of back that he is. It's not necessarily the type of back that we saw in week one, but uh, coming out of the gates in, in the second half this week, that's that's kind of what he is. Now, I will say about this group in general, uh, impressed with their their chops as receivers so far, 10 catches through two games, which is kind of um, unheard of <laughs> if you if you follow the last couple of years, especially when you think, no, you don't think Noah Kane, you don't think Kevon Lee, you don't think of these guys as receivers. Um, so I'm, I'm really impressed by that. They actually have tripled up the number of catches for tight ends, which is another you know, another topic for, for, for another day. Um, but yeah, they, these guys have been, um, 
you know, I guess multi-tiered threats, not just a guy that's going to line up and, and go straight at you, which is kind of how we pigeonholed Kane, how we pigeonholed Kevon Lee. So uh, interested to see how they work as, as, as multi-dimensional players. And then two other guys I want to hit on here together because I did ask about them together. Devin Ford, uh, they were pleased. They felt like he took a step last week, was able to kind of let loose. And that with him, it's about overanalyzing and not letting loose. He says he feels like if Ford wants to be a coach, uh, he's going to hire him down the road someday. They really like his mind as a football player. But sometimes it works against him, and he doesn't just trust his reaction and let his athleticism shine, which we saw it shine uh, a little bit early on in his career here, but uh, certainly down in the high school fields of Virginia. And then Keziah Holmes really feels like they're content, and and he's understanding to work him along slowly. Jaywan Sider had a conversation with him last winter after the season, really said, hey, right now you're an athlete playing running back. Remember, Jaywan Sider originally recruited him as a receiver with the Florida Gators staff. So he said, trust in what we're going to do this offseason. Follow along with these veterans. And, and it, you know, it kind of a bit of a reversing course because Keziah Holmes was forced into action late last year. He got that taste. So it's not easy to take a step back. But it kind of sort of sounds like a red shirt season. I'm not saying it's going to be a red shirt. He played against Ball State. Maybe it's worth checking in on his, on his reps uh, week by week. But really feels like, they're on the same page with working him along slowly. He actually mentioned it took miles three years. It took journey three years. Give it some time. Yeah. This is a trust the process moment for Holmes. Who's a long way from home. So I'll be interesting to see in this portal era, how that, uh, how that comes around, but that's uh that's a tough situation uh, to deal with uh, essentially not, not that last year was a red shirt year, but essentially taking that back seat to those other backs is going to be, it's going to be a test on him uh, mentally. It'll be re- really interesting to see how he bounces back and handles it. All right, Brandon Bell right now is thinking enough about the running backs. Bring on the linebacker. We're going to do that. Uh, it's whiteout week here in Happy Valley. We've been talking about it all week. We had Josh Pate breaking down this game earlier. We had Nathan King from under Auburn Undercover talking about the Tigers. Let's talk about Penn State and what this means for the Penn State community. And a guy who had great perspective, uh, fellow former Cape Atlantic League athlete, Brandon Bell, joins the Lions 24-7 podcast. Brandon, great to have you on. Thank you. Great to be here. Uh, good to see you guys again. Uh, familiar faces for sure. <laughs> well, Sean was just talking about you being one of the more underappreciated guys in the past decade for Penn State football. Um, I don't know how you feel about that, but you did a lot in a Nittany Lions uniform. Um, five years out uh, of that 2016 season, what a heck of a ride. When you view it now and you think about how your career ended, what goes through your head? Oh, man, don't remind me. Uh, make me feel old. It's been five years already. But, uh, you know, I just, I'm just i grateful for every opportunity I had to put on uh, that uniform. Definitely looking, you know, now in this perspective, wish I had a few more years to play in that uniform. And, uh, you know, just I'm just grateful that I put it all out there and, you know, um, made some good, some history at Penn State for sure. Be about five years. Uh, does it does it feel like that from the whiteout? I mean, that's that's a long time from that. Now I say the whiteout. You played in a bunch of whiteouts. You had some, mm-hmm. some good outings, but that Ohio State one. I mean, is that the whiteout to you? Yeah, of course. I mean, that's the last time we beat them. Also, so every every chance we get, you know, we're trying to take those guys out. But as we know, the whiteout is a special place, and I've actually been to, I think, two since then. You know, as a, as a spectator. And it's, it still gives me those those jitters, you know, on the sideline, those butterflies, as if I'm still out there getting ready to suit up. Now, Brandon, looking back at that whiteout game, uh, career high 18 tackles, had a sack of JT Barrett. 
Um, is there just is there something to be said for the different volume of adrenaline pumping through your body in in a setting like that? Yeah, for sure, for sure, hundred uh, percent. Jason Cabenda and I were both coming back off injuries, a few games out. I remember I was supposed to have like a limited snap count for that game, but you know you don't feel anything. You know, there's no way we were going to sit that game out or take plays off or anything like that. So the adrenaline is definitely a factor and. It's it's on. I can't explain. It's 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 no other feeling that uh, I've reached yet to match that. What's that conversation like with with Franklin or Pry or whomever it takes with when when he's going to put you on a pitch count? And clearly, this is the biggest game of the year. You don't want to be on. You don't want to be limited. You don't want to be the guy that's sitting there. You know, the splitting reps or anything like that. What's that conversation like the week leading up to the game? I mean, it makes sense the week leading up, but in the back of my head, at least, I'm like, yeah, that's that's not going to happen. I mean, <laughs> we're here to win this game. I think I believe Jason, we were at the um, the camps that were the kids, uh, Nittanyville, excuse me. Jason, um, you know, he he said we were going to win, you know, and that, that I loved it. But and that with that in mind, I wasn't going to sit out any plays. Well, how about this? Uh, you know, these guys do a great job, the players on this current team, and year in, year out, and your squad, I'm sure, did the same, of saying, hey, it's 1-0. They really don't give us, in terms of media access, a lot about how excited they may be for the whiteout. Is it a challenge in some way, even though it's a home game and you got the crowd backing you in a great atmosphere and, and an awesome matchup, is it a challenge just preparing yourself to stay within yourself? Uh, it depends. I mean, for the experienced guys, I'd say no, but maybe for some of the young guys who haven't experienced at least playing in that uh, atmosphere, maybe, um, you know, you don't want to rely on it by any means. You know, it's a factor, but at the end of the day, you got to go out there and execute, you know, to a T and, and play fast. So it, it makes a difference. But as a player, you can't you can't, you know, rah rah about it too much. James Franklin talked about nerves last night and and how you use nerves, uh, whether it's a it's a positive energy and a negative thing. When did that happen for you in terms of uh, of changing that over? I mean, have you ever been nervous uh, from the start of your Penn State career to like when did that change to being the veteran, being the guy that that everybody looked around to 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 sort of get everybody in the right mindset? Because um, I think that's a fascinating dynamic in, in games like this, especially with guys last year they didn't play in front of fans been two years since a whiteout how do you handle this situation so i guess how how would you brandon bell five years ago six years ago whatever um have handled this and how would you kind of dance around it right now yeah i think it's definitely uh you know it's different for everyone like you said me myself at least back then being a leader well for one yes i definitely get nervous you know there's a lot riding on the game um as any game uh in college football but you know with that atmosphere you know College game days there. There's definitely a lot on your shoulders. But as a leader, you know, you got to stay calm, cool, and uh, portray that to your team, to the team. And, you know, let guys know, like, look, we're here to play. We're here to win. We don't care who it is, um, no matter how big the game is. And, you know, once once you get that first hit out, you know, whether it's kickoff or that first snap, all those nerves go out the window. And then it's, it's just game time. You're locked in. But uh, I believe, you know, I'm a believer in, you know, butterflies is natural. If you don't, if you lose that, then you probably should, you know, retire. We heard basically the same thing from P.J. Mustafer last night. And I'm not surprised. A guy very much in the mold of a Brandon Bell. That's why he's a team captain right now. And, and there is some very good quality veteran leadership. I know for you, these were just like the the incoming recruits. And now they're the, the faces of the program yeah. now at this point. 
how important is that here in 2019 when you've watched this team go on the road at Wisconsin coming off of a year where they didn't face any kind of crowd? How crucial is it for this Penn State team to have this collection of leaders? And overall, what are your thoughts about the veterans? Yeah, man, it's big. It's just speaking on that Wisconsin game, you know, I tell people all the time, looking back on it now, being, you know, more of a grown man than a kid playing college football, confidence goes a long way. And I think that Wisconsin game week one, you know, division opponent at Big Bad Wisconsin, that's going to go a long way for these guys. And, you know, the leaders have to portray that and keep that going, as I, I know they are in there. Um, I don't know these guys personally, but, you know, been there, done that. So I feel I feel what they feel, their pain, their joy and everything like that. And, uh, you know, I, I trust in them. I believe in them wholeheartedly without even uh, meeting any of these guys. How close are you to the program right now? I mean, you obviously watch the games. Mm-hmm. You, you, I know you tweet along with the games. Your, your Twitter is pretty entertaining, <laughs> if I do say so myself. Um, but, but how much, uh, how invested are you into this current team, and how much do you sort of live and die with snaps and things like that these days? Yeah, it's interesting, actually. As you know, like I've phased out. You know, five years is not many guys or any that I played with. And at first when I was done, you know, there's still guys, friends of mine that are playing. So, you know, I'm locked in uh, to those Saquon years and, you know, Deshaun Hamilton years. And, you know, my nerves, my ner- heart's pumping, nerves are uh, running. And then it kind of phased out a little bit. And for whatever reason, I think because I've actually gotten a little bit closer to the team this year, I took a visit up there during the summer. And excuse myself, I have met some of these leaders. I've met uh, Brisker. The linebackers, Jesse, uh, Brandon Smith, I haven't met these guys. Um, it blanked out on me. So I think that's also a reason why I do feel, you know, my heart's pumping a little bit more on the Saturdays now because I'm invested in these guys. I hope they do well. Coach Pry, of course, all the coaches, uh, Franklin, especially the guys there, you know, having the chance to talk to them over the uh, off season, and, you know, maybe for my future, maybe someday, and just being closer to the program is definitely something I uh, I enjoy. I want to keep doing. How was that set up, Brandon? Is that uh, James Franklin extending an invitation, someone on the coaching staff, or were you just going to be on campus and it worked out? And and what was your message to the, the team? A, a lot of unfamiliar faces to you at that point. Yeah, well, you know, Coach Prize always, you know, we, you know, talked about the year uh, every now and then. He's always, you know, come on, come on, come on up. And obviously, you know, life is a little difficult sometimes, but I believe in June they had the, uh, like, alumni weekend. And I wasn't able to make it up there, unfortunately, but I came up the next weekend just, you know, on a solo trip, uh, brought my little nephews up there and just had them, you know, see all the equipment and everything like that. Uh, give them a chance to, you know, feel it as they're a little older now since I was there. And um, it's all it's all it's always love, man. It's a family atmosphere. Uh, Franklin, those guys, they preach that. And it truly is, you know, no recruiting or marketing thing here. It truly is. You know, once you're a part of it you know, come back, you're welcome home. And and I, I know some guys kind of lose sight of that when they're away. But if you come back and just tap into the to state college in general, honestly, um, the love is always there and it's an open door policy. And I wanted to come to training camp, but uh, I started, you know, a new opportunity and things like that. So, but I know the door is always open. What, what do you think about the way he's handled, uh, Franklin has handled things? We, we heard some criticism, especially early on in his career, about, you know, making the program probably something that wasn't. And, and we saw some sort of split with the Letterman um, at times. How do you think he's handled that whole aspect of because Penn State's such a special a special job and that it's the players program. Everybody's, you know, says about Joe 
OB, um, Franklin, all that stuff. But but it's really the players' program. How has he handled bringing that back around? Because it, it it hasn't always been great for him. Yeah, and that's something as a you know as a player. Then you know you're a kid. Are you worried about football, school, being in college? You're not paying attention to as an adult more so now. You know I got to give Franklin his credit to to your point because it's a lot to to deal with. You know, 18 to 24 year old kids coach football and you know the the atmosphere of being the Penn State head coach. You know, donors and Letterman and everything like that. So. I have to give him his credit. You know, he's uh, pushing things forward, which Penn State always needs, and trying to build it bigger and better. Which um, in college football today, you gotta you gotta keep pushing forward. Brandon, what, what would you, I guess, not necessarily pass along in terms of advice to the current Penn State players, but when you're hearing and everyone wants to ask you this week about a USC coaching vacancy, and you're like, I'm trying to focus on Auburn, Penn State. That's what's ahead. But every single call today with, with this week with the players, it came up, the USC rumors, the speculation. Is that truly kind of seep into what you can do? I know you hadn't had that week three of a, of a season in the top ten during your career, but it's just such strange timing for these players to have to deal with it. It is. It's very strange. But, you know, I've seen a, a million different names and possibilities thrown in there. So it's kind of a circus a little bit. And that's I think it was the same thing a few years ago. And uh, it is, like you said, it's difficult for week three. I can't truly imagine how they're handling that. I've never been through that. Um, but I know for the kids, you know, this is a big week. All Like I said, all I was thinking about was football, what I got to do, school, college. So I, I still believe they're locked in. And, um, you know, that's one thing, you know, Franklin and the uh, guys always preach, control what you can control. And at right now is week three, one and oh, so – I believe that's what that's their focus. It's been over a year and a half since you last uh, suited up. Uh, how's life after football treating you? And how's I guess how how are you handling that that you know you've you've been a football guy for so long? How do you handle that transition to retirement or or whatever you want to call it right now? Yeah, it was difficult. I'm not gonna lie. And um, but you know, thankfully, I'm actually I'm in NFL Films right now. It's a new opportunity for me to be still be in football, like you said. And I think it's going really well. I'm, uh, I'm working on NFL matchup show with Greg Cosell and these guys. And and I love it. He's right in the other room over there. And I'm still learning. It's crazy. I'm still learning football. It's only been maybe a month so far here. And I'm learning it from a different aspect and, uh, you know, giving my two cents. And and uh, I think I'm going to continue to be close to football no matter where each opportunity lands me. And uh, But definitely, you know, getting done playing football was hard. Um definitely going to try to do some things to help guys kind of navigate that in the future that's outstanding is that still based in mount laurel yep yes sir oh that's all it sounds like a, a it sounds like a dream job for a lot of people who love football so that's exciting for you yes definitely it's ex, pure x's and o's man and if you ask me it's the best football show on tv well all right let's pick your let's pick your brain then on x's and o's well i mean Wait, where, for, before you get there where can yeah. we find your where can we find your stuff where, where can people view you where can people find your your uh, analysis and things like that uh you can find me on twitter at underscore underscore b bell b b e l l that's what the people call me um and that's pretty much all my socials is the same thing uh mainly twitter i stick to football and like you said i might get a little a little rowdy sometimes but i like it because 
you know, no one can really tell me what to say anymore. <laughs> yes, follow the man. Um, but it, I mean, if we could tap into not just your your knowledge that you're gaining every day on the job, but what you experienced here at Penn State yourself, what is working early on for Penn State defensively? Obviously, just a, a, a very impressive performance, to say the least, week one. And they, they handled their business in a big way against Ball State. No real breakdowns from what we could tell to you who, what is working. Yeah, I wish I could get the uh, the coach's tape and maybe, you know, further along down the line, I'll be able to get that. But from the TV broadcast, I mean, it looks like this the defense is just teed up. These guys want to win. They're winning their one-on-one matchups, first and foremost. And I think Pry, it looks like a different scheme, definitely, uh, that I've seen from a few uh, few years, at least. It looks like a lot of kind of exotic, different pressures. You got Jesse and different guys in different positions. And that's always difficult, especially for college quarterbacks or any quarterbacks. Um, pressure right down your face, right down the middle uh, is always the best place to pressure a quarterback. And the last two games, it looks like Penn State's been able to do that. And um, the front seven looks good. The DBs look good. A lot of different faces rotating, which I actually like. Uh, guys getting experience out there. And But the one thing with that, I'll say, I think in the past, because these guys have already gotten some experience, a new face comes out there on a different series and they're playing fast. And I think that's uh, that's the biggest thing I would take, at least from what I see on the TV broadcast. Defense is playing fast and physical. Stats sometimes lies or anybody that just jumps off the screen at you in terms of talent, in terms of just that guy is a physical freak that, you know, I, I didn't play with too many of those guys in my time. Yeah, I mean, the Mustafer kid looks good. You know, he's always in the backfield. Uh, Brandon Smith, as we know, he's a um, – Excuse me. You know, he's looks like Tarzan. He's out there. He's a brick wall. I've got a chance. I stood next to him myself. Um, Porter, you know, anytime you get a, a six foot plus cornerback uh, is usually uh, plays in your favor. Uh, Brisker, obviously, is he's a big kid, too. Bigger than I expected until I uh, actually met him. And he's physical. And he kind of reminds me of a kid, uh, Jesse Bates and Cincy, who I think is blossoming into a star and you guys will see it this year um he can hit he's downhill he'll definitely hit you in the mouth but he's also you know sideline to sideline as a rangy safety which um not too many players can do both of those things i'll say and obviously jesse he showed i didn't know he was as versatile as he has showed so far lucetta that is um i know he was a big body i kind of had him slated more as a solid mike but you know he's showing ability to be on the edge and that's going to fare well for him. And as we've seen, it's going to fare well for this team. That's good stuff. Uh, that's good stuff. I, we, I hope we can do this again. Uh, yeah, what, are yeah. you, what are you feeling on this game? I, I, I'm not anticipating you are going to come on this show and pick Auburn, of course. But what do you think about the way this one plays out on Saturday night and how Penn State gets it done? You know, I'm not too familiar with Auburn. I know they've blown out the last two opponents. Uh, but I, I was, like I said, us beating Wisconsin – a big time opponent week one, not too many college. Well, this year there was a lot of big games week one, but I think that's going to fare very much in our favor instead of playing, you know, kind of some slouches week two, you know, the game speeds there. I think hopefully we'll bring Auburn a new game, bring to Auburn a new game speed. They haven't seen yet, at least defensively speaking, I can talk and um, hopefully, hopefully I hope pride continues to light, light a uh, Bo Nix up and make it hard for him to uh, make some reads. 
Brandon, this is probably just a splinter on this conversation, but you mentioned the Wisconsin game, sixteen to ten. I don't think you know getting a Wisconsin a win at Wisconsin is is awesome, um, but I don't think fans saw that as a a great game per se. It was zero zero at halftime. But from my my standpoint, and from talking to coaches, from talking to players like you guys, how hard is it to win that game? Because I don't think people grasp how hard it is to win that game. No way, man. No way. As we know, Wisconsin is always big and tough and at your throat running the ball and you've obviously seen that um and they you know they had some great runs and that's what's going to happen with his con with wisconsin you're really not going to hold them to 50 rushing yards but i think the resiliency of the team defense and offense coming out of halftime you know offense wasn't too hot to start but the resiliency and the coaching and um you know the adjustments they made i think is what you really have to take out of that game and that shows to you that these kids, you know, they're ready to play in any type of uh, any moment. These coaches, um, big time players made big time plays and big time moments. And anytime that happens, it makes me at least feel good, feel confident in, uh, in any team, especially this team. Brandon, thank you so much for for hopping on with us. Um, excited to hear about, about your new opportunity with NFL Films. And we look forward to coming on your podcast someday if you'll have us. Yeah, for sure. De definitely. Um Definitely invite me back anytime. Um, anytime I get a chance to get on the microphone, I'm, 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 I'm open to it. We'll take you up on the opportunity. Absolutely. Right, Sean? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Brandon. <laughs> no problem. Thank you, guys. All right, Brandon Bell, uh, as we said, huge game in that whiteout, but over the course of his career, 200-plus tackles and just a guy that you're going to list off a lot of names before him when you ask the average fan, like to your point, about who, was, who stepped up in 2016 when Penn State surprised everybody, won that Big Ten championship. Do not forget about Brandon Bell. He was awesome. And, you know, I think a lot of people will point to, you know, the games that he had where he was super productive, like the whiteout. But I think a lot more will point to that the USC Rose Bowl when he went out mm -hmm. of the game, changed a lot of things. And that's uh, unfortunate to, to play the what if game. But he was um, proved that proved that he was irreplaceable at that point. Let's talk about this Auburn-Penn State matchup one more time, Sean. We've done it a lot this week, and if you missed any of our episodes, this is the third one already here coming to you on a Thursday. Josh Pate from the Late Kick with 24-7 Sports uh, talked about all the dynamics in play here, Big Ten, SEC, some of the coaching carousel stuff, but more about what Auburn is all about here. And then we went really inside that Tigers team with Nathan King on Monday uh, from 24-7 Sports, Auburn Undercover. Here we are now, and just before we get to our predictions, Sean, a few things here. We talked about it at the crux again, the two quarterbacks, Bo Nix. It's been brutal for him in some really key moments on the road during his career. Uh, roller coaster ride between these fan bases and these quarterbacks. We've seen Sean Clifford have that moment where he was tested in a big way at Wisconsin. Didn't wow everybody, but survived it. Didn't botch it. Got home. Played better against Ball State. You're looking for improvement there from week three. And I know Bo Nix put up nice numbers, and Auburn has really pretty stat sheets from the first two weeks. But Bo Nix has not been tested, and it's going to come in a big way in Beaver Stadium. Well, he'll, he'll come in confident. I don't have yeah. any doubts about that. He always has. He's played in uh, ridiculous atmospheres before, as we've noted. But um, to, to me, it's kind of like you ask us how to beat Penn State, and you say, load it up, make uh, Sean Clifford beat you. To me, it's mm -hmm. that that's the way you do it with Auburn. Is you load it up. Uh, Tank Bigsby's a phenomenal running back. They got some good players on that offense, but Bo Nix is going to have to be the guy. And you know, for Auburn to win this game, he, he's not going to have to play perfect, but he's going to have to protect the football, 
Penn State's defense has been very good at taking away the football in the first two weeks. Um, so you get a tip ball, you go the other way, and, and that all of a sudden changes a lot of things. So I think that that's, that's the number one is you, you've got to make it and put it in Bo Nix's hands and say, come, you know, this is our atmosphere. This is our, this is our um, home, you know, sort of charge and, and, and the way that, that, that we do things up here. You need to come beat us. And that's the, that, that to me, it, it's probably oversimplified. But at the same time, this guy's thrown 10 interceptions on the road. And that's uh, certainly um, something that's something you can't ignore if you're Brent, if you're Brent Pry. We talked about Brent Pry being aggressive early in these matchups and, and putting pressure on the quarterback. And we just heard from Brandon Bell ab- about some of the versatility that they've utilized up front in some of their blitz packages. To me, yeah, uh, you know, you're going to send a, uh, can Curtis Jacobs do some early damage? Can you get inside Bo Nix's head along with what the crowd is going to, you'd think, be able to do early in this matchup? Um, but but can you defensively with your defensive ends, Jesse Lucetta, Arnold Ebikede, Nick Tarburton, but specifically those first two guys I mentioned, can they wreak havoc in, in, in a way that we've seen during the first couple of weeks, Wisconsin's a very good opponent. Ball State is not as good of an opponent. Right now, we're seeing them on the field with a bunch of blue chip talent from the SEC. I know Auburn's not the top team in the SEC, but they've got a lot of athleticism. If Arnold Ebikede and Jesse Lucchetta can get after Bonix on their own and you don't necessarily have to rely on blitzing, it's going to open up so much. But can Curtis Jacobs make an impact on that regard? Can Jair Brown or, or a cornerback maybe come off the edge? early on because like you said i think we've seen i think we've seen penn state and and the fans here put opponents in avalanche situations it spiraled out of control for michigan a couple times in recent years one year they bounced back a bit and rallied the other year they stayed buried penn state here i think could create that kind of effect against auburn with strong defensive play early on and that starts with getting after bo nix and making him feel unpleasant Pressure is just, you know, in general has been so big, especially in that Wisconsin game. They came right at them early. Um, it's funny you mentioned guys like Jacobs and the backside corner and safety, because I think those guys are going to be important in the run game because uh, Auburn's going to try and find some seams and cut back lanes and things like that. And I think that that backside pursuit is going to be very, very important for Penn State this week. Got it. Got to be better at tackling. You know, I, they, they were good this week at tackling, no doubt about it. But this is a different animal when you're talking about an SEC team coming in. So I'm, I'm really interested to see some of those subplots on defense, see how they can work. But Brent Pry is going to get after Bo Nix, I believe. Um, you know, those, I guess, quote unquote, run blitzes get, uh, you know, stack up the line of scrimmage and, and, and make them throw it over top of you. And we'll see what the secondary can do. They've been built up to, to, uh, to, to big time levels right now. And they've, they've had some takeaways this year, but this is, uh, is going to be a good test for them. Nothing Penn State can do in this game will put them in a better position to put that pressure on Bonex than doing their best to contain at least the, the Auburn run game. Um, it's not just Tank Bigsby. You know, th- there's been some praise and, and some excitement uh, about the young guy, Jarquez Hunter, uh, what he's done in early games against lesser opponents, but a guy who has flashed for them at the running back position. But it's it's about Bigsby here being able to stop him. That conversation to me starts with PJ Mustafer and continues to Ellis Brooks. And if he can duplicate or come close to duplicating what he did against Wisconsin, which you did a great job breaking down in film review, really what that performance was all about. Um, if he can guess right and he can get after these guys in the backfield and he can, and, 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 and avoid the pursuits that, that put him in a tough angle and, and, and create, create increases like you just talked about for these running backs. If he's on point, like he was for a lot of the Wisconsin game, it, it takes this Penn State defensive attack to a different level. If he's below that, um, then, then that could be a problem. 
Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, that's you're kind of right on the line there in terms of uh, Ellis Brooks played really well against Wisconsin, but he was a few decisions away from not playing really well against Wisconsin. I, you know, you just kind of have a little bit more athleticism on the outside. You have a little bit more room to uh, to take a false step here and there. Ellis Brooks doesn't always have that, but uh, yeah, it'll be about the guys in front of him. You mentioned Mustafer, Tangelo should be big. Um, be really interesting to see who fills those other roles because mm-hmm. I Izzard played a lot last week. Devon Ellis played a lot in week one. So those guys are going to have to play. I, I will say this. I expect Mustafer to play 90% of the snaps, 80% of the snaps, uh, whatever it have, have you. I think those rotations get really tight on defense. Once again, you're going to see a lot of Castro fields, a lot of Porter, a lot of brisker, uh, you know, hopefully if his, uh, his injury uh, status is cleared up, uh, then I think you're going to see a lot of those starters out there. And, um, you know, Penn State's offense has to uh, keep them off the field as much as possible. They didn't do that in week one, um, came through when they had to, no doubt about it. But it'd be nice to get uh, a couple extra uh, first downs, uh, a couple extra minutes of time of possession and, and and go from there. One guy you may not see as much of in this game as you did in the first couple of weeks because Ellis Brooks is now available. And, and, and more important, because Keaton Ellis might be available is, is Jonathan Sutherland. We saw a lot of him uh, over the course of these last two games, more defensive snaps than we probably anticipated going into the season. It seems like that that may not need to be the case against Auburn, but uh, that the depth has been you know uh, good for Penn State here on defense. And Brandon Bell alluded to that. You know, when they bring in the next man at a lot of these spots, there hasn't been a significant drop off. But at the same time, when they've been playing their best football, they haven't turned to the best man very much. And I think that'll probably be the case here in week three. Like you said, a lot of reps for the starters and not much beyond the, the fringes of that too deep for a lot of this game. Um, you know, Auburn, I think they overhaul that wide receiver. Uh, Demetrius Robinson, as we said, now five years removed from being the top receiver recruit in the country still scares you i think you, you still have to respect him in a lot of ways he's that vertical threat but overall this group they put together at receiver they're very much untested uh, that combined with my lack of confidence in bo nicks I, I really like this matchup for penn state's defensive backs for their cornerback unit um, and i think if they're able to establish an early cushion because of the advantage i see in those matchups it could be really a, a, a pivotal turning point and, and the ability for them to to put this one uh, not away early, but to continue to to maintain a lead and, and force Auburn to start throwing it and less ball, let less ball opportunities going to Tank Bigsby, which is a good thing for you. Yeah, you want you want the ball out of Bigsby's hands. You want it in Nix's hands and you want that ball up in the air and you can make a play on it. So turnovers, uh, third down possessions, you know, things like that have have. Uh, you know, are, are going to be paramount this game. Uh, it was kind of like with, with with Wisconsin. They were getting to those third and twos, third and threes, and Penn State wasn't. You got to keep Auburn, you know, off schedule, knock them out the first uh, first down, and and put the pressure on Nix to, to make some decisions. And, you know, there's a lot of quarterbacks out there that struggle in making decisions. Even some of the ones that we perceive as good um, struggle when they have to make uh, decisions, especially on a road in an atmosphere like this. So I'm, I'm curious to see how much pressure Brent probably throws at them and, and if that if we see any results in the back end because of it uh, from Penn State's offensive perspective I'm really curious to see what kind of performance we see from the offensive interior um, I'm looking at that that group uh, uh, you know on the left side more so Eric Wilson uh, and Mike Miranda what are they going to do this week uh, it, it, that was an issue early against Wisconsin um, and really it just hasn't been it's, it needs to be fine-tuned if this offense is really going to take off uh, the interior offensive line and their ability to to continue to to 
take steps forward and open things up for this run game uh, are, are pivotal for, for Penn State to be in contention long term here in the 2021 season. So it, does that combination look good? Do we see other combinations? We saw some of Drew Scruggs at center. Uh, they were testing some different things out there, different combinations in the Ball State game. How much is Phil Troutwine viewing this as a fluid situation? How much is he feeling like he has his five and they're in the spot they need to be in? There's not a lot of time to figure this out against Auburn because they're going to send a lot your way from an athleticism standpoint. Um, but I do feel like uh, you know, we're going to learn a lot about where Penn State is in week three. And it's got to be better than where it was in week one. It was a, a big reason why you were very lucky and fortunate that you could rely on their defense and come home 1-0. Week one that you can bet Auburn's looked at that tape and they're going to give Penn State some uh, some headaches with some odd fronts. I have no doubt about that. Um, Wisconsin did a really good job of doing that. Uh, now, you won't have as many guys rotating through there. Of course, Eric Wilson's going to start. We expect him to play quite a bit, if not all the, the snaps at left guard. Um, so you're not worried about getting him and Wigan in and out. But uh, that's going to be something they got to figure out how to move those uh, those fronts and you really get off Penn State struggling that Wisconsin with combo blocks when you're trying to get the, one of your guards to the second level. Um, they got to come back and be, and be better with that. And if they can do that, they can find some seams. Um, I think the quarterback run, as as much as probably Penn State fans hate to hear it after after last season, I think the quarterback run is going to be important on Saturday night. You could see Clifford uh, maybe keep it a few more times than than he's accustomed to this season. Third down last season. At last season, yeah. Um, third downs. Uh, just uh, I think he can be effective with his legs. I think he can get them going in one direction, pull it, and and get yourself eight or ten yards, and you know move those sticks. As we mentioned, it was so important before. So uh, really interested to see how he handles that situation. Of course. Everything comes back to Clifford, so you're going to wonder how he's going to handle the atmosphere, wonder how he's going to handle things, and if they get some confidence and some momentum, they can put some points up, and it'll be a uh, be, um, very very big test for Auburn's defense. I know that, that uh, the, the way that Penn State started out, you wouldn't you wouldn't think that, but uh, there's some, some playmakers there. You could see Jahan Dotson getting deep. It would be very interesting to me to see if you take the Wisconsin approach and come after Sean Clifford, come after the, uh, you know, with the run blitzes and things like that. Or if you take the ball state approach and, and kind of sit back and not let Jahan Dotson beat you up over top, not let those tight ends beat you down the seam. So um, was Auburn's got options. Like you can bet Derek Mason's going to throw a bunch of them out there. He's a very good coach. So um, it, it will be about how they defend Clifford. And, you know, it's kind of the, 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 the same thing on both sides. Yeah, I'm very curious. I, I think they're going to come out aggressive and test Clifford. I, I, we'll should. see. Yeah, I, I think they. I think they should. That's been the playbook. On on, on if you rattle Clifford uh, early, it's it's tough for him. It's been tough for him to right the ship over the course of those games. And we'll see. Uh, but on both sides of the ball, it feels like if you can start poking that quarterback in the pocket and and doing that early, it's going to lead to good things for you. And, and and when I think about this game, I see Penn State having a lead in the fourth quarter. So I'm thinking. Four-minute offense, that's another thing that didn't work out in, in Penn State's favor at Wisconsin. Another reason why they were fortunate to come back 1-0 because they had to punt the ball and they gave Mertz another opportunity. Noah Kane, Kevon Lee, I mean, if, if these guys can go out, play their best, best football of the season and be that one-two punch that, that we think they can be, it's going to be diff, tough sledding for Auburn when you think about the pass weapons and, and what that could open up. But you know, we got to see it first, and, and this is a big test for both of those players, and it starts with the offensive front giving them opportunities. They're not going to be able to have those bounce outside chances like they did against Ball State. They don't have that athletic edge against Auburn in this matchup, but in a four-minute offense, can your offensive line and can these running backs get the three, four yards, do it three times in a row 
move the chains, do it three more times in a row, and let your quarterback take a knee and start celebrating with that crowd of 107,000. Don't give the ball back to Bo Nix. Yeah, and what, what did Franklin say this week? You got to run the ball when everybody knows you're going to run the ball. That's a that's a challenge to the offensive line, challenge to the running backs, and you know hopefully Penn State finds themselves in that situation. Yeah, and and some of the more difficult losses we've seen from Penn State over the years has been with the the inability to get that done. I think you know you brought in Phil Troutwine for a reason. You've got this stable of running backs. Uh, I, I you know you, you got to trust in that combination, and and you got to put it out there, and you got to get it done. I do think they'll get it done. I mean, let's just jump into our, our predictions right now. I think that Penn State um, is going to be able to close this game out. I, I think part of that is because I think they'll be able to run the football in this game, and I think they'll be able to do that late, and it will help them. Uh, similar to maybe the way they finished off on the road at Iowa a couple of years ago, and um, I, I think with Kane in, in game three back and Kevon Lee, I felt like he found something last week and, and, and re was reminded of some things last week. This is a big test for them, but I see them scoring 30 points. I've got this at 30 to 20. Um, I, I am not buying into Bo Nix coming to Beaver Stadium and, and and you know turning it into a house of horrors for the Nittany Lions defense. I, I lean more into this becoming a bit of a nightmare for Bo Nix if it goes one way or the other in a big swing. I think ultimately it'll be an average performance from Bo Nix, and that won't be enough for this Auburn team. Penn State does enough offensively, and if they have to, I do think the defense can close it out. But a 10-point advantage means they won't be on the hook to do that like they were against Wisconsin. Yeah, just coming into an atmosphere like this, Auburn's got a, a, a smaller uh, learning curve. You know, I don't even know. I'm not a math guy, as, as PJ Mustafer said last night. But they, there's there's smaller room for error um, yeah. with uh, with Auburn, and if you can, you know, get an early pick, get some pressure, get the knock the ball out of his hand. Uh, put put this all on Bo Nix. Yeah, I think they can be in a good spot. I've got Penn State winning twenty eight seventeen. Um, I I don't know how I really came to that. Uh, <laughs> I think Penn State's defense has an opportunity to to really make some things happen. Maybe get a score of their own. Maybe get a special team score. Um, and if you get one of those big swings, one of those sudden changes, and it results in points, that could be absolutely huge for Penn State. And uh, you know I can see that you 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 talk about atmospheres, you talk about how much the whiteout is worth and things like that. But really at the end of the day, I think Penn State's a better team. I think they're in a better situation playing at home. Um and I think that they can, you know, come out and set the tone, which is a, a tough one for uh, a tough one to forecast on a Saturday night in, in Beaver Stadium. We've seen KJ Hamler, Saquon Barkley, Trace McSorley come up with huge plays in this whiteout spotlight. I think there's going to be a moment like that for Jahan Dotson in this matchup. Throw my dart at the board again. And, I, and I'll say, and not just Jahan Dotson's going to have a good game. I'll say he'll score a touchdown from beyond 60 yards as a punter or receiver. One of those plays that lights up the crowd. Maybe it's one that puts the game away. Maybe it's one that sets the tone early. But I, I just see it happening for Jahan Dotson. One of those hello America moments. Uh, and, and probably uh, overdue for a lot of people who are going to be watching this game. Yeah, I mean that's a safe, safe prediction to go with Dotson. I think we 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 said that earlier this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're going to do that every week. So that, I'll give them to you this week. Uh, special teams going to be huge, of course. Big special teams guy here, Jordan Stout, has been phenomenal in certain areas. So you need to uh, continue to get on that. Like I said, would like to see them uh, cover punts a little bit better and and really down, you know, get down there and and change the game. You know, you that 20 yards on the touchback is so big. If you can, you know, negate that and make that a 17, uh, a 17 yard swing and start out on the three instead of the 20 can be so huge. So guys like AJ lit and drew Hartlob, guys that, that, that have been covering kicks and punts, um, you know, are going to be huge in this game. 
There are our predictions. We've go, both got Penn State winning another top 25 matchup and going to 3-0. and And, uh, you know, Villanova coming to town next. And you start to put the schedule together. What lies ahead of Penn State? You can start to let your imagination roll if they get past this one with a win. Sean, any final thoughts? We talked about it last episode. There's a ton up on lines247.com. Brian Doan had a VIP recruiting chat uh, here on Thursday morning, Thursday afternoon. Go check that out if you missed it for our VIP subscribers. But any last thoughts before we roll into the weekend where they're just going to be floodgates opened with recruits coming to campus? Yeah, be on lines 24-7 after the game. Steve will be there. Doan will be there. All those guys, I don't know if it'll be right after the game, um, but that's going to be such a huge, huge weekend for Penn State. This is one that not only you can see some immediate dividends from, but it can set you up for the future in a big way, as we saw uh, with, uh, with what we wrote the other day about those 2022 guys coming in. So uh, class of 2023, as I mentioned, the list is uh, load more type list. When you're scrolling down and you do, you can't fit them all on the page, uh, load more. So we'll see what happens, guys. You know, as we mentioned before, Lamont Payne, the cornerback from uh, from Western Pennsylvania, you know, could could see him, you know, making some moves. Those familiar names like Antonio Tripp, uh, Phil Pisciotti. So there's a lot to like um, from that 23 class. Um, it's just a matter of, of setting them up and knocking them down. If Penn State can, can get a win and and uh, put it on an atmosphere like they have in the past, it's it's going to pay off for them for a long time. Like Jay one Sider said on Thursday, the atmosphere will do its part. The only thing that they can control is going out and winning the game, and, and, and that's the best impression you can make on these kids. And there's a lot of them that will be glued in on TV who are not in Beaver Stadium, but exciting times for Penn State's recruiting department here uh, heading into the weekend. Sean, that's going to do it for us. Uh, we've got our post-game podcast. It'll be very late on Saturday, and there'll be plenty to talk about regardless of how it goes down in Beaver Stadium. A huge thanks to Brandon Bell and, and again, to Josh Pate. If you missed that one, I don't want that to get buried. We had him on our Wednesday episode. He was outstanding, 25, 30 minutes. I don't know. It felt like a, a really solid conversation last episode. Another good one here with Brandon Bell. Thanks to our producer, Lance Glenn. For Sean, I'm Tyler. This is the Lions 24-7 podcast. Be, be sure to subscribe on YouTube at Lions 24-7. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.